0: Churchill Fellowship Hello, smart community friends. Welcome back to Smart Composi and the Winston Churchill Smart Mobility Podcast. This episode, we will talk a little bit about Dublin. So after London, I ventured off to Dublin. Now, I wasn't in Dublin very long at all, now that I think back. I was there for two kind of work days and then the weekend. But I had a really, really... Really nice time, I guess, and really interesting time. Cause I think Dublin and Ireland is a really interesting place and there's a mix of the old and the new. So mix of kind of old things that you wouldn't expect and then really, you know, new stuff as well. And people would say to me, why are you going to Dublin? Ain't nothing smart about Dublin. And even, you know, when I was there, people would say, well, you know, we don't have that cause you're an island now. So is it something to do with this old charm of Ireland? So, yeah, very interesting. So I was only there a couple of days, as I mentioned, and the weekend, uh, but I was able to meet with a number of really smart people, and Arup posted me, and I had lots of conversations, particularly in the area of intelligent transport systems and road user charging or transport network charging, as I heard it called the other day, to take the focus off roads. And what I liked about Dublin is that it has all the right ingredients to be the smartest, in inverted commas, but as I mentioned, they also have some interesting quirks and challenges. And some things haven't really progressed, and obviously for a reason. None of this stuff just happens by accident. And so taxis are mostly cash, and so when you get off the plane at the airport, so you can either catch a bus, but I was in a a bit of a rush to get to my meetings at Arup, and so I was like, okay, I'll catch a taxi. That'll be the quickest way. But I didn't get any cash out. I tried not to get cash out at all the whole time I was traveling. I ended up having to. I uh, can't remember the first place. But anyway, I was waiting in line for a taxi and the guy at the front kind of says, well, do you um credit card or cash? And I was like, credit card. So then I lined up in another line, which was much longer. And so, you know, taxi after taxi went cash only. And so finally I got in a taxi that had a credit card and they often say to other taxis that I got later on, will I, uh, like, oh, do you have a credit card? And they are be, like, Oh no, but I can drop you at an ATM. I'm like, no, that's not going to work for me. And then other times I would say, yes, I'll drop you at the ATM and I'd say no. And they go, Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. And come in and you know, then they would actually have an FPOS machine, but you had to kind of fight for it, which I found really interesting anyway there was a way to get around it. So I downloaded the My Taxi app, which is like Cabify in Mexico, uh, or it started off in Spain, where it's a platform to... It's not Uber where there's private cars. It's just a platform for taxis. So it's still a meter taxi. You just order it through the app and then you pay through the app as well, which was all well and good, except... The amount of data that they got on me, which I didn't really think about at the time because as we mentioned in one of the, I think it was the last, no, the Denver episode was my experience in Orlando and thinking about what data the driver has on you. And I didn't really think about too much. So I used my taxi, but then I got in a taxi and they said, oh, and I've changed my name on these. So they said, oh, that's an interesting name. And I said, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which made me, I'm like, oh, okay. Now they have my full name, which in Uber and Lyft, they don't. They only have your first name. And I was like, okay. I didn't really think too much of it. And then I got in another taxi and the guy says to me, oh, you're from Australia. And I was like, oh, yes. And I hadn't said anything yet. And I was like, oh, how did you know that? And he said, oh, I saw your phone number, you know, plus six one. And I was like, okay, great. So this person has my full name and my phone number, which you know, in regular circumstances, we hand that information out here, there, and everywhere. But from my experience previously, I was just like, no, we shouldn't have to hand over all that information. It should be a needs-to-know basis. So it got me thinking more about this needs-to-know basis, and particularly for people in more vulnerable situations. Why do they have to tell you every little detail of their life just to get, you know, um, some transport or you know, maybe they have a special requirement that they need to sit in a certain place. But do they really need to hand over all of that information? So this needs to know, which I'll speak about, I think, in the next episode because it was something that was brought up when I was in Amsterdam. Anyway, moving on. I mean, the reason I was catching taxis so much is because the public transport really wasn't integrated very well. There's lots of gaps, which is filled by private car use and taxis. Uh, no ride share, um, as far as I know or not easily accessible anyway. So the buses, you know, caught the bus a few times, but it seems to be late every time. Um, we tried to catch one. So I was there with my cousin, which was fantastic. Forgot how much I actually really like people. And congestion massive issue. Again, just too many people trying to get to the same place at the same time. The capacity of the roads is it hasn't kind of expanded or couldn't really expand since the day of the car, I suppose. Uh, back in the day. But things are changing, like more people are catching public transport and cycling of um, doing a little bit of reading and they're really trying to focus on that as well. So in this space of smart mobility, smart communities, smart cities, I don't think we really need to compare or compete who is the smartest, stuff like that. I don't think that's overly useful. But what is important is to have a vision. What will the future of Dublin or Ireland actually look like? And also learning from each other and collaborating So we can bring in that right expertise from different parts of Europe, from Asia, from the US, from Australia, from Africa, et cetera. So I think that's really important that we do look outside what we're actually doing ourselves but then realizing that you have to implement it, which is the hardest part, within your own country or city or region. And so it's important to have a vision because otherwise you'll lose yourself in trying to pick up everything that everyone else is doing in the right way. So leapfrogging in this space is also really, really possible. Uh, with new technologies, it's very easy to get left behind, but then it's also very easy to jump out in front, whatever in front actually means. The interesting thing about Dublin, which I didn't realize, and maybe everyone else did, is that a lot of the European headquarters of all the big tech companies, you know, like Apple and Facebook and LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, uh, in Dublin, and this is due to low corporate tax back in the day, uh, so they tell me, which is very interesting. Uh, and so it's kind of the perfect ingredients for the high tech innovation, right? I don't think we necessarily need it all to be in this in the one place, but if it's there, we should use it. So while in Dublin, I started thinking about the ingredients that are needed for smart mobility. And so that's what I want to talk about in this episode. So we'll talk about three of those ingredients that we need. So the theme for this episode is ingredients. So the first one is governance. Now, this really came front of mind when I met with Smart Dublin, which I was talking to other people when I got back to Australia, and people don't even know that this thing exists, which is really fascinating. So Smart Dublin is a regional approach So it's an initiative of four of the Dublin local authorities uh, to engage with smart technology providers, researchers, and citizens to solve challenges and improve the life of the citizens and the city life in Dublin. And so Smart Dublin aims to position Dublin as a world leader in the development of new urban solutions using open data and with a city region as the test bed. So the key areas that Smart Dublin has identified that they're going to work on or priority challenges are mobility, environment, energy, waste and emergency management, which I thought were quite interesting areas. So I was able to meet with Smart Dublin and we had lots of great discussions and it was really interesting to see their perspective and what they're doing in this space because they do work across those different government agencies and so it kind of... It's really important because it takes it out of the BAU, so the business as usual of councils, and brings it into an entity that really, that's their focus. Um, so they have the time, the energy, the resources to actually focus on this stuff, which I find a really good model. And it, this isn't the only place that has it. So I think governance is a really, really key ingredient and something that we don't talk about enough Because if you want to get stuff done, then you have to have those key elements, boring elements of funding, resources, and the focus on it. Because we know that if we want something to get done or we don't think it's possible, but as soon as there's a focus on it, then magic kind of seems to happen, right? Money just comes out of nowhere people start moving resources around etc if it's a really important issue which smart communities are a really important issue or a really important way or a really important concept to bring into our everyday thinking because when we're moving into this future, if we don't have smart community think, if we don't have you know the right people involved, the right focus involved, then it's going to get away from us. And we really want to be involved to shape this. So anyway, moving on from governance, I think uh, I've got another bit here, but I'll talk about it in this next section. So I think the next ingredient is doing things differently. And I did call this innovation, but I thought that was a bit wanky. But doing things differently, and in brackets here, I've got unproven success rates, right? Right. So you can't just be like, oh, yes, well, these people did it this way and it was this amount of success and, and, you know, this was the return on investment, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not guaranteed because if you're doing it differently, no one's done it the exact way that you've done it before. And also we're all still in this learning phase and doing pilots and experiments and scaling up and those type of things. So we're kind of, you know, running in parallel here. So we won't be able to say this is a proven model for success. So there has to be a willingness to do things a bit differently, as I mentioned. And in that, it needs to be a willingness to be able to fail and then learn from that and then continue to progress without that real detrimental blame that we got it wrong. It's a different way of thinking. It really is. So the other thing we need to do in this space is we learn from other places globally, but you have to be willing to implement an action it in your own place. And that will look different. So you can pull in the global expertise, but the real learnings, the hard bit is implementing it in your own place and it will look different. So pulling in those expertise from around the world is important, but you need them to work with you on implementing it yourself in the place that you are focusing on in the regional areas, in the cities. Because if you just spend all of your time learning but not actually doing or actioning, then we're not going to get anywhere. There's no right way to do this learning, whether you visit places or you pull it in virtually, but I think it is really important to do this so then you can actually action. And they might be different people that are doing each one, but you need to be working together and collaborate. Okay. I want to talk about the small business Innovation Research Island. So this team is the National Innovation Pre-Commercial Procurement Initiative, which is administered by Enterprise Island. So it aims to drive innovation across sections of the Irish public sector via robust engagement with technology-rich companies and organizations through competitive challenges. Okay, obviously I just read that off their website. So Enterprise Ireland has established a 1 million euro fund to co-support worthy competitive challenges in partnership with Irish contracting authorities, which essentially means bring the pilots, doing pilots, but then bringing that to the full scale for the public sector. How do we actually do that? I really, really like this approach. And it's similar to the reverse pitch approach that I spoke about in Denver, but it's so important that we have that nurturing and The ability to see how we can take this from pilot to full scale, because I think we talk a lot about pilots and I think they're really important, but how then do we take it into full scale, really making a difference across the public sector for the community? I think that's a really key point. And I think this agency, so Small Business Innovation Research, partnering with Smart Dublin, which is what they seem to be doing on a lot of these projects, is a really great way to actually do this. And so there's a number of different projects that they're doing at the moment. one uh, is just having a look on their website again and looking at some that have that have come out and you know things like community driven solutions to improve rural transport, uh, smart solutions to engage the unheard voices in their communities, sustainable transport, improving mobility in the city, and sustainable deliveries redesign the delivery of goods in cities so these are Coming from the councils themselves or a combination of the councils or councils in partnership with Smart Dublin. And I think that's really important. So basically it's putting the problem out there and they, and, but not defining the solution. They're leaving it up to the innovators and the market to design the solution because let's face it, they have a lot of Really talented people living there, really talented you know, technology, but hopefully combining that with that messy bit in the middle, which is the city and the complexities of that, and not just leaving it up to the market to fill all these gaps, but actually saying these are the gaps that we really want filled and here we have some funding to be able to do it. So going back to doing things differently, because when you do things differently, it keeps things interesting and is able to attract that talent we talked about. That we actually need to solve some of these wicked problems because we know that government has a really hard job and they can't just stop when they've had enough or exit the market. And I really believe that government doesn't have to be seen as being boring. It doesn't have to be boring because there's so many exciting things happening. There's so many exciting challenges happening, but how do you get that mix right to be able to attract the talent and keep the talent that you need? And it doesn't mean that they have to work directly for the government. That's why I think these partnerships are so important and so key. It's important that the government is involved, however, because they need to set the rules of play because we don't want to be just taken over by private sector because we don't want to leave people behind. The people that aren't planned for now, we need to ensure that our smart communities include those people. And that's where the government's role is really important because they're public servants this serving the public and that means all members of the public okay let's go on to this next bit and it's about going beyond the shiny which i talked a little bit about before so we need to stop thinking that the shiny sexy stuff will change and solve everything for us because we still need to live life right and because a lot of the smart that is needed is a change in the systems that we have in place. And the fact that the transport system is inefficient, it's a systematic issue. We have too many emissions, it's a systematic issue. And the messy bits in the middle, which I spoke about just before, between the tech and the business as usual of a city. And that's where we can have the most impact with smart mobility in our smart communities. So I'd like to talk a little bit about one of the tools that was spoken a lot about in Dublin and Arab have a center of excellence in Ireland based on this tool, which is road pricing or road user charging. There's lots of uh, nuances in what people are calling it. Yes, I just recently heard, as I mentioned before, transport network charging. I have no allegiance to any of these terms, but basically what is it? It's about charging people based on their travel habits, user needs, an ability to pay, which is overcoming the kind of one-size-fits-all approach in the past. So if we continue on our current trajectory, so if we continue on our current trajectory, we'll have an increase of traffic, declining income from fuel tax and potential decrease in registration fees due to EVs and others. And if we still have combustion engines and other sources, of course, not just transport, we'll have rising air pollution. So these things are pretty clear. So we need to manage mobility in a way that's a bit different and also considering the broader environmental and economic policy decisions that need to happen. So we talked a little bit about road pricing. So we pay for the road right now. And so it's generally a static kind of approach through things such as registration, general and local taxation, congestion, which we pay for in our time. We pay tolls, flat rate kind of tolls depending on different roads, and we pay for it through our health as well. Uh, and then we also have obviously bridges and highways and things in the fees. But things are changing. For example, as I mentioned in my last episode on London, um, they have now an ultra low emission zone and they have low emission zones before that. So then it's changing people's uh, or starting up a dialogue, starting up a conversation about the true kind of financial, social and environmental costs of different modes of transport. And so we really need to start thinking about this. And you throw in there the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals as well. So how do we use this, and that's a part of the overall kind of system change, in shaping more sustainable and equitable mobility for everyone? So it's really important to design these right digital tools to be able to do it in a way that is seamless. Because if we use old legacy systems and we can't pay, we can't make it seamless, then we're never going to get it over the line. And so you need that interface that explains what charges or what transport modes are more efficient and effective in environmental sense, social, et cetera. It needs to be personalized, it needs to be dynamic, it needs to incorporate pollution, all these type of things. And hopefully we can, you know, use this technology. That's the front end. But then at the back end, we also need to ensure that the systems are integrating with each other as well. And so we need to redefine what driving on the road actually means. What should this actually cost? Should we all pay the same? Should it be dynamic depending on how much and where we live, where we drive, I should say? Can it be used to address sustainability, reduce emissions? Let's hope so. Do we need systematic change first before we just encourage the people that can afford it to buy an electric private car? Do we need to charge kilometres travelled rather than a flat rate for someone who rides a bicycle the majority of the time? Do we need to start thinking of owning a car as a cost to the environment, contributing to congestion, the cost to the community, rather than just the price tag that we're paying? And then if we do charge for this, where should this money go? Where should it be reinvested into? Back into sustainable transport, public transport, but it might look a little bit different, I think. And I don't think that this conversation so or this concept, so road pricing or road user charging or transport network charging, it can't be a separate discussion to mobility as a service. But I'll leave that there for now because I hope to talk at that a little bit in the next few episodes. Okay, I think I've talked enough at you for now. Uh Let me know if you have any questions. Uh, so this is my time in Dublin and I had a really fantastic time. And thanks to my cousin, Georgia, for hanging out with me. It was fantastic. Okay, uh just have a few thank yous. So we have the amazing team at Arup. Now I can't mention everyone. There were so many people, but thank you to Michelle Kennedy, Carol Lemons, uh, Victor F- Freebolt, Patrick Anderson, John Miles, Tara Walsh, Isabel Deirdre, Callum Ferreria, Inigo and Sadath, Tim Armitage, Podrick Kenny and Ruth Bevan. Thanks so much for meeting with me and having some great conversations. Thank you to Poppy Dell of uh Zenzik, which was formerly Meridian. Thank you to Ariel Vetro and Kim Smith uh, and the team of DG Cities and the Smart Mobility Living Lab in London. Thank you to Will Pearson from Connected Places Catapult. Thank you to Mark Hartburn from WMG, the University of Warwick and Midlands Future Mobility. And thanks to Sarah Ray of Smart Cities World. It was really excellent to meet everybody in London. So that's just a bit of a shout out to London. Okay. Well, I will leave it there for now. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, I really appreciate your support on this journey. It has been absolutely fantastic. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Talk soon. Have the best day. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this exclusive Churchill Fellowship Smart Mobility Podcast. And thanks so much for your support and being part of SmartCom posse Please let your family and friends know and encourage them to come over and join our posse Possible.com and search My Smart Community.